Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Amber and Ian, but we also love when you chime in. Triple eight, say ESPN. That's how you get in touch with us. 888-729-3776. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. Find me at Amber W Sports. Let's get to some caller roulette. 13 black odds, no winner. Spin the wheel, make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play Call a Roulette with Amber and Ian. You know how this works, Triple H, say ESPN. You line it up, we spin the wheel. Let's get to it. Terrence, our friend Terrence, is calling us, as always, from Georgia. Hey, Terrence, go ahead. Hey guys, uh, I think that MVP thing is is, is unfair. I mean, even though I can't stand Michael Parsons because he's not on my team, and I blame Philadelphia for for jumping up, jumping over us, and we was gonna pick him that year. Uh, but uh, he should be he should be eligible, and he should win the MVP. Because I mean, the dude is disruptive. The dude is just, he reminds me so much of Lawrence Taylor. So. Uh, he should be they, all players should be in the MVP running because one, one doesn't work without the other. That's what that's how I feel about it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Terrence. Uh, I agree with you. Right now, Tua Tungavaloa has uh, the best odds to win the MVP, followed by Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott. Uh, Dak <laughs> getting a little bit more disrespect there than maybe he should in this season. I don't, I mean, Micah Parsons, I'm looking for his name. It's just quarterback, 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 quarterback. I, I don't even see him here in turn. Oh, here we go. So Micah Parsons is behind in terms of odds. Jordan Love has more of an opportunity to warrant win the MVP. Derek Carr, more of an opportunity to win the MVP. Deshaun Watson, with the way he's been playing, more of an opportunity to win the MVP, according to the odds, than Micah Parsons. Christian McCaffrey. Tyreek Hill, Matt Stafford. Amber, there's only been two. In the history of the game since the NFL merger, AFL-NFL in 1970, two defensive players have won MVP. Alan Page in 1972 with the Purple People Eaters of the Minnesota Vikings went on to be a judge. And then Lawrence Taylor in 1986. Ed Rusher, New York Giants, pride of UNC. That's it. That's the list. Done. Micah Parsons has about a .0009% chance of winning NFL MVP. And I'll tell you right now, T.J. Watt, edge rusher, Pittsburgh Steelers, is a, has as much of a chance as Micah Parsons does to win M- NFL MVP. There, even- they, those are your top two for NFL Defensive Player of the Year. And that's where Aaron Donald is. If Aaron Donald didn't win it three years ago, ain't no defensive player. And I went double negative there. My mom would destroy me as a former English professor. Well, because double negative, it's really a positive. She should also destroy you for the word ain't. 
Justin Fields has the same odds right, as go. Micah Parsons <laughs> to win MVP. Justin Fields right now in the Chicago Bears sitting not at 0-2, and he and Nat is not playing well. So it seems very unlikely to see Micah Parsons win an MVP, even if he, frankly, deserves to be on pace for an MVP. Let's spin the wheel. Jay is calling us from the Bronx. Hey, Jay, go ahead. Hey, what's going on? You know, Amber, I'm just like you. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Miami Dolphins fan, you know, and I think this team, you know, it could see itself in the AFC championship game. That's my hot take right there. But at the same time, you know, they always talking about two of this, two of that. You know, it's not like he has ankle injuries or back injuries or arm injuries, concussions. That's like fruit injuries right there. But that's why I could see them in the AFC championship game. Thanks for the call, Jay Finn's up. Uh, I don't know if that's really that hot of a take, though, Ian, because frankly... I think a lot of people at this point can see the Miami Dolphins in the AFC championship game. The way that the way that we <laughs> no journalistic integrity, the way that we have been playing journalism, they still exist. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't buy into the that sports? nonsense. So the way no, that we no. <laughs> not well, here anyways, not what you and I do. Out. That's for darn sure. I, I wanted to listen to him for a few more minutes or, or seconds at least because he sounds like his, his voice inflection was, was very very similar to a famous actor, and I can't, I couldn't place it. Hmm. But anyway, sorry. Jay from the Bronx, maybe it's yeah. You know, I mean, it was like like Denzel Washington. If anybody has, in, if, if anybody a, here heard it, go ahead name? and phone in eighty eight say ESPN. Yeah, help me out. It, it, it was eerily similar, but go ahead. Uh, it, the Dolphins do. I mean, right now, I don't think it's crazy to say they they look like the best team in the AFC, right? Oh, right I, now, I, yes. I, yeah. Right now, yes. E- even with Patrick Mahomes even and the Kansas the Chiefs City Chiefs and everything else, right now the Miami Dolphins through two Two weeks. games. Two games. Yeah. Right. I mean, two it, games. It's r- very, very early. Oh, we do know the injury concerns there to Tua. He is falling better this year, if that's a thing. Again, two games, though. So even as a Dolphins fan, I'm not getting ahead of myself, although pleasantly surprised of how it's looked and, frankly, how it looked last week when Bill Belichick did very effectively take Tyreek Hill out of the game, and they were still able to find other ways to win with Mostert stepping up. Let's spin the wheel. Sean is giving us a call from Wisconsin. Hey, Sean, thanks for the call. What do you have? Hey, guys. I, as a Buckeye alum, I've been rooting so hard for Justin Fields and making a million excuses. It was the offensive line. It was the receivers. It was a scheme. I'm about out of excuses, dude. It's not them. It's you. Hey, hold on. Are Sean, as a Buckeye alum, forget Justin Fields right now. What's it like being in Wisconsin with a former Buckeye legend in Luke Fickle as the head coach of the Badgers and you're living in that state? So not only is Fickle a Buckeye, he also went to my high school, Columbus DeSales High School. So it is so fun to have Luke up here, and, and I'm loving it. And anytime Madison's not playing Ohio State, I'm a Badger. Love it. There you go. There you go. Tornado uh, Room, underrated restaurant in America in Madison, Wisconsin. I knew you were going to be able to drop one. Justin <laughs> Fields against the Packers had an interception, 24 of 37, 216 yards and a touchdown. 
uh, against the Bucks. Uh, it, it was wor- or not against the Bucks. Against the yeah, against the yeah, Bucks. Against the Bucks. Yeah, against yeah. the Bucks. That was their ne- their, re- their next game. Yeah, it was it was worse. Two interceptions in that game. Sixteen of twenty nine. There's all sorts of problems all over the Chicago Bears team. And the thing is with the Bears is Courtney Cronin, who covers the Bears for us here at ESPN NFL Nation. She kept saying, I don't understand why everybody thinks this Bears team is going to be so good. And Courtney's around this Bears team every single day covering this team. And she never understood why anybody had any real expectations for this team. This team is still in a complete rebuild mode. There's still problems all over the field. And it doesn't look great for Justin Fields so far this season either. But it's very, very early. Yeah, and, and Look, again, week two. You and I have talked about this ad nauseum with NFL general managers, with NFL head coaches, with NFL players with analysts like Herm Edwards, you know, just on Monday night. What do we really know through two weeks? We don't. Heck, even before the the, the current preseason format of only three games and teams not playing marquee players a ton in preseason to the point where Nick Sirianna, head coach of the Eagles, is saying, I'm going to have to reevaluate how we approach the preseason you go back to, I'll never forget, man. Mike Ditka was the head coach of, of, of my mom's beloved New Orleans Saints. And they started 3-0, and Amber. And I'm telling my mom, we stink. We are not a good team. But we're 3-0. and You know what they, how they finished the 16-game season? 3-10. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. You don't really know what you have until the first, really, quarter of the season is done. And every NFL team breaks it into quarters, and then you now have the, the added 17th game, right? But you want to go the first four, you want to win it. You want to finish at, you know, three and one, three and one, three and one, or at least two and two, you know, and then give yourself a fighting chance depending on the division. But every NFL franchise and every NFL coaching staff breaks it into quarters. And right now, I mean, <laughs> look. What do you what do you really know about your team? I'm going to promise you, you don't know. You don't know a lot about what you do or do not have, whether you're 0-2 with the Bengals or you're 2-0 in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I do feel fairly confident that we know the Chicago Bears team is not good, right? They're not going to be a good team. They're not going to turn it around. They're not going to go on a 10-game win streak. Yes, you are correct. Okay. But – in terms of actual Justin Fields, because that caller was saying, oh, I'm already sick of Justin Fields. Justin Fields Don't is the be. problem. That I think the jury's yeah. still out on. Yeah. And that I think we can be a little bit patient on. So I don't expect the, the Bears as a team really to do anything huge this season by any means, but I still think there's enough time left where Justin Fields himself can turn things around and show that individual promise moving forward for who should be their franchise quarterback. Coming up next here on Amber and Ann, what is going on in Chicago around the Bears, though? It's not just the issues in terms of play on the field, but also, man, is there some serious drama within that organization? We'll unpack it. Amber and Ian's on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. There's lots of weirdness around the Chicago Bears, and I don't just mean the losing record right now. That's not so weird. That, that frankly, was kind of predictable. Amber and Ian is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So the Bears defensive coordinator stepped down last week, Alan Williams. And there's a lot of strangeness around this resignation from Williams. There's a whole lot of rumors all over social media. I don't know where they're coming from about police raids on the yeah, Bears not, facility, police there. raids on Alan Williams. It's very odd that so the team has the team has come out. They've, you know, obviously Denied all that, shot it all down, okay? But there's a lot of noise around it. And now the team has come out and said, oh, you know, it's personal issues. Alan Williams had come out and said personal issues, cited health issues as well. So who knows? In the world that we live in with social media, I mean, it, it could just be a whole bunch of conjecture and a whole a whole bunch Great of, point. you know, things just go get lit on fire when you don't have many answers. And a lot of people, when they're dealing with a health issue, don't necessarily want to provide the answers, right? And, and nor does he need to by any means. So Alan Williams is no longer, for whatever reason, with the Chicago Bears. Matt Eberflus has taken over the play calling. We saw how that went against the Packers, but it's not going to be pretty for the Chicago team anyways because there's a lot of deficiencies. What a lot of people are focused on, though, this season is Justin Fields, because although the team might be ugly, you could still see some promise from that quarterback. The Bears traded away the number one overall pick. That told you that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus felt like Justin Fields was their guy and their guy moving forward, because, Ian, they would not have traded away that pick if they thought that they needed to draft a quarterback, right? Now things 100%. are looking... Right. Now things are looking a little strange with Justin Fields. So then he stepped in it today. He said... Maybe it's the coaching is why I look so robotic about there. Here's is Justin Fields, the bear. I can't talk all of a sudden here. Just Justin Fields. Take it. Away. <laughs> you say thinking less. What do you think was causing you to think so much? Maybe think too much. You know, could be, uh, you know, uh, coaching, um, I think. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, it makes it. You know, uh, they're doing their job when they're giving me, you know, what to look at and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I you know, can't be thinking about that when the game comes. I prepare myself throughout the week, and then when the game comes, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's time to play free at that point. So, um, you know, just thinking less and, you know, playing more. Uh, the first part of that answer is a little bit of an, uh, coaching? A bit of an issue. Coaching? Stop it, man. Look, and he, he crawfished on this. And if you don't know what crawfishing means, I mean, when a crawfish is scared, and I mean, I'm a, a Louisiana native, grew up on a thoroughbred horse farm in Louisiana. When a crawfish is scared, it'll back up. That's what crawfishing means. And Justin Fields crawfished off that comment. We'll, and we'll hear that in a moment. But that original comment, that's honesty. And he's blaming coaching? Get the hell out of here. Justin, I, look, I love you. He Covering him at Ohio State, I don't know him well at all. I mean, I've interviewed him three or four times, but I, I, I had like five or six of his games at Ohio State, Amber. The dude's a winner. 
He is a winner. He's a remarkable talent. But to blame coaching, when you've got over five seconds to throw the football, if you get 2.7 in the NFL, that's an eternity. 2.7. That, that's, that's the baseline. Mm-hmm. We, you and I, on Monday, went through a film session where we saw 5.1 and 4.9. Both those the both those plays, he's got a a wide open tight end or receiver right in front of him between the hashes, hell between the numbers. I mean, right there, throw the ball. He's not seeing it. Thank you, and you said that on Monday, and you are spot on. It this is not coaching. You aren't seeing it. And look, do I think he will? Yes. I am a I am a big fan of Justin Fields, but you cannot put this on coaching because the play's there, the design is there. Guys are open. Throw the damn football, especially when you have five point one seconds. Amber, that's like you and I going to a fine steakhouse and telling the waiter. Give me an hour to figure out what steak I've got Oh, mm-hmm. that I want to have. I mean, 5.1, you can order a Maserati with all, I mean, and, 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 and online and fill out what, what, what kind of sunroof you want, what kind of leather you want. You want heated and cooled seats? I mean, you, do you want a hybrid? Do you want, I mean, what, whatever. I mean, 5.1 seconds and you can't find a guy when, you look at the all twenty-two; he's right there. That's not coaching. Now he crawfished it back, right? And I get mm-hmm. it. And then Jeff Saturday really got into it on Greeny earlier because he's played the position of center, he, and that that is the second most. He'll yell at me for this: the second most cerebral position on a football field mm-hmm. outside of quarterback. Here's Saturday talking about the Bears creating opportunities for their quarterback. From a coaching perspective, when the offensive coordinator is calling plays where you got two dudes wide open, mm-hmm. he should throw the ball. Why would you change your play? You ain't changing your play because the play is there. The kid's not throwing it, right? So what ends up happening is you get entrenched on both sides. Well, should we do stuff for Justin Fields? Just, yeah, yeah, do something for me. Or, well, my plays are working, right? So where is the middle ground? That is where the massaging of a player and a massaging of a coach come together for Eberflus is like at some point you got to bring these guys together because the plays are there. When you see this many wide open plays, you can blame the coach for so long. Well, and Justin Fields feels like he is blaming the coach, although he invited the media back in. He wanted to talk to them again. He brought them back into the locker room. He clarified his comments. I, I did not mean to put anything on the coaching. It's not the coaching. It's me. Everything falls on me. I'm the quarterback at all times. Everything falls on me. He then went on to say all the right things. But obviously, there's some sort of disconnect here where Justin Fields feels like that in some way he is being hamstrung by the play calling and yet you and I are watching it and we're, and Jeff Saturday is watching it and we're not really understanding how the play calling is the problem when you're not executing the calls that are, that are there. Right. I mean, you're not executing the plays that are being called. Damn open Amber, just throw him the football. Eberflus responded to the comments from Justin Fields, of course, and he also said all the right things. And he said he respects the partnership, 
So do we. We want him to play free. I think it's very important that as we work through this, making sure that he does play free, that we coach him that way. So Eberflu seems to be recognizing that Justin Fields, for whatever reason, is feeling limited. And they don't want him to be overthinking things. They don't want him to feel limited. And maybe that's what really this is all about, is that Justin feels like he should be doing more and be freer. But the concern there... From the coach's perspective, I would imagine, Ian, because I see you throwing up your arms, is if you can't execute what I call, then how am I going to let you be even more free with it because you're not even getting the basics right now? Amber, your son Cullen is four, right? Mm -hmm. You're in the front yard. He is standing six yards from you. You have a little Nerf ball. And this is what how open these guys are for Justin Fields. And he says, Mom, throw me the ball. You chuck it to him. That's the equivalent of how open some guys are for Justin Fields, and he's just not seeing it. Matt Eberflus, his head coach, is is covering. Justin Fields walked the comments back. But what Jeff Saturday said, what you saw, what I saw, what we all saw, what everyone, his teammates saw, throw the damn football. Just go play. Just go play. Justin Fields, he saw the reaction to what he said about the coaches on social media. He very quickly walked it back with not just the media, but he immediately went right into his OC's office, made sure there was no problems there. They're certainly trying to quash all of this rapidly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. UCLA, Utah, 3.30 p.m. Saturday. Ian Fitzsimmons on the coverage here on ESPN Radio. So you're going to want to tune in at 3 p.m. Eastern right here on ESPN Radio to hear Ian Fitzsimmons and the crew cover that game. And Ian had an opportunity to sit down with UCLA running back Carson Steele earlier. Well, Carson, pumped to meet you, man. Uh, as we'll be on the call for you know this remarkable top twenty-five matchup, UCLA at Utah. It's a remarkable scene in college football. And Carson, you burst onto the scene, man. You're averaging over eight yards a carry. Um, you've hit pay dirt a couple times as the one of the featured running backs at UCLA. And you were an All-American at Ball State, but a lot of people really didn't notice you toward until the end of your Ball State run before you left and hit the portal to go to UCLA. How in the heck is a Mister Indiana in football? overlooked by so many schools. And I know this isn't a shot at Ball State, but, I mean, you're a heck of a talent. What, what happened? Did you hit a, hit a growth spurt? What was it? Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate it, first of all. But, um, you know, uh, 
I was thankful Ball State took a shot on me, uh, you know, being my only offer basically pretty much out of high school. But um, unfortunately, I had a bad injury my junior year, and that kind of set me back. I didn't really play my whole junior year, and uh, my senior year was COVID. So that was kind of a shoot down my last two years, uh, you know, playing in high school. I was really bummed out about everything. But, um, you know, I got the shot to play college football, and – you know, big believer, uh, and, you know, everything happens for a reason. So, you know, I'm in the place now that I wanted to be. And, uh, you know, I'm super excited I'm here now. Carson, what did you find out about yourself? Because a lot of people would have would have just crumbled, but you instead embraced <laughs> this, you know, this adversity that hit you. What did you learn about yourself with the injury and then being, you know, having your senior year wiped out due to COVID? Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, being a 17, 18-year-old kid, uh, you know, I kind of, I didn't really tell anybody, but I was I was going through it. It was a pretty tough time in my life for me. You know, luckily we came out my senior year with a championship, you know, and state championship for high school. You know, that kind of helped me out with things. But, you know, people weren't allowed to go to the games. You had to get, you know, nobody really knew what was going on in the world at that time. So nobody was coming out to recruiting and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, personally for me, um, I just wanted to kind of take things, you know, easy, you know, kind of one step, uh, you know, not, not try to overrush myself into things, you know, uh, just make the big opportunities of the, you know, the little opportunities you get. That was kind of my big motto. And, you know, going into Ball State, I was like, you know what, just reach for your goals and see what kind of happens from here on out. What was the injury? Um, I had a bad hamstring injury. Um, I tore part of my left hamstring uh, I'm trying to think right before the start of my junior season. Ouch. And then I waited till about, yeah, week eight or week nine. And then I went up for a ball and broke my metatarsal on my left foot. So it was just on the left side too. So it was just that whole left side kind of thing. But I ended up coming back for the last three weeks of um, the season. And I mean, I was overweight, out of shape. I was, I was, <laughs> I was not doing too good. It was not and, good uh, tape. You know, it was so. not good film for coaches to be taking a look at, is what you're <laughs> yeah, saying, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> for somebody to come out and look at a kid, definitely probably wasn't the best film to put out there. But I was, I was one of those people that was, you know, trying to team first, and you know, I was trying to get back out there, but I wasn't ready at all. I was coming off of a surgery that was supposed to be like an eight or nine week recovery, and I was came out like week three or week four of it. And, you know, I had a plastic wrap around my foot and stuff like that. And just, it just wasn't a good thing for me. It doesn't sound like it. But now things mm-hmm. are gelling. I mean, you're averaging over eight yards oh, a yeah. carry. Uh, <laughs> you, you've truly found a home in that UCLA system with Chip Kelly. Describe the fit there, especially with a freshman quarterback in Dante Moore. What, what is being in this offense like for you? Definitely. Um, you know, being around Coach Foss, you know, that's one of the you know best things I ever had in mind. And, uh, you know, he's the best running back coach in college football. I'm going to say it, and I feel like everybody should say it. You know, he's a great guy, and, you know, he teaches us well. And just like you were saying, <laughs> you know, young quarterback, um, you know, honestly, uh, you know, seeing him, but seeing, you know, Garbers and Colin in there as well, um, I'm going to keep saying it. You know, people would kind of freak out if you had, you know, three, two, two or three quarterbacks coming into a game. But honestly, you know, they kind of just get in and go. They've all three worked super hard, and uh, you know Dante coming in as a freshman. Uh, you know how freshmen act; they don't know stuff, can't read it. But you know he's been, you know, 
lights out with his protections and stuff like that and his key reads. So, you know, just being able to have any one of them in there at a time, um, you know, I feel super comfortable with it, and I feel like they can all three lead the offense. Carson Steele, running back, UCLA Bruins. They've got a massive <laughs> tilt at Utah. You'll hear it all right here on ESPN Radio mm-hmm. with Mark Kestrich or Kelly Stauffer, the former Seattle Seahawks quarterback. I'm Ian Fitzsimmons. Can't wait to get back to the Wasatch front. And, you know, Carson, you mentioned T.J. Harden and also Anthony Atkins. I mean, all of you are averaging uh-huh. over eight yards a carry. You all get some run, man. Uh-huh. Normally, a running back wants to get in a rhythm. How are you all able to sustain a rhythm but being interchangeable when all of you getting a lot of a lot of touches? That's definitely, you know, definitely a thing. Uh, you know, a running back, like, so, you know, like you were saying, getting its rhythm. But that was, you know, the kind of a cool thing that we can all three do is just we kind of get in and go. And, uh, you know, just having that, you know, availability, be able to switch in and out so one person doesn't get too tired. And, you know, it definitely keeps your body healthy, you know, playing these, especially coming up in conference play, you know, playing these bigger teams and stuff like that. But uh, like you were saying, you know, being able to have the one guy, and you know, go in, know his protection, being able to roll right off the first play, you know, it's something very special. What has stood out to you watching Utah's defense? I mean, it, these dudes are stalking guys sideline to sideline. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, just when you watch them on tape, what really stands out to you? Definitely. Um, you know, they're they're big dudes, and, you know, they're really athletic. That's kind of really what stands out the most. But, uh, you know, if you really, you know, kind of jump into their defense, they don't – I mean, they have, you know, a few exotic things every once in a while, but, you know, they really play just straight up, you know, standard football and, uh, you know – filling gaps and stuff like that and uh, you know they're a very physical defense and so you know I feel like you know the game's going to come down to you know which team's going to be the you know bigger physical team uh, you know because they you know they're playing more of a not exotic kind of look uh, like I was saying they're just straight up so it's definitely going to come down to you know who's going to you know overmatch a person. Yeah, they they look. They want to get after you. Uh, led by an outstanding mm-hmm, defensive definitely. coordinator, Morgan Scally. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh-huh. tell me about this damn pet alligator. Are you out of your mind? I mean. <laughs> I am just a little bit, uh, if you really think about it. But uh, Crocky J, he's the he's the word around right now. So <laughs> that was, yeah, that's Crocky J. I don't know why he's a he's an alligator, but I named him Crocky J when I was younger. I thought it sounded a little better. So, <laughs> but, where um, where is the gator, and how big was it when you got him, and how big is it now? And uh, he's probably about maybe half a foot to a foot when I got him. Or no, I'm sorry, probably about half a foot. And now. Uh, now he's probably about four or five feet, I would say. Give or take. <laughs> He'll take off a, Maybe limb. a little bigger. Do yeah. you pet the damn yeah, thing? He's a little bigger now. Yeah, huh? Yeah. You... Oh yeah. We we hold him and stuff like that. What? Now you get, yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, we definitely everybody freaks out and stuff. But once you once you get a hold of him, he calms down a little bit. No wonder you're a running back. Carson, can't wait uh, to see you, man, play in person. We're excited to watch this ball game. It's ranked unranked. It's UCLA, Utah, right here on ESPN mm-hmm. Radio, 3.30 Eastern, 1.30 Mountain Time Kick. Stay healthy. Can't wait. It's a remarkable story, man. I can't wait to see you guys play. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. So, again, coverage of that game, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on ESPN Radio. Yeah, young man, the injury he described, you know, hamstring almost ripped off the bone, coming back too soon. You know, tearing his metatarsal uh, on on the same leg, and then you wonder how a guy that productive, averaging over eight yards a carry, you know, goes to being an All American at Ball State. His only offer that explains it, right? And especially after a COVID year. And then let me ask you this, Amber: the damn Crockett, the the, the alligator. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm a proud son of Louisiana, growing up on a thoroughbred horse farm in Folsom, Louisiana. We don't like gators. Don't like them. Nope, 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 and nope. This dude 
You heard it right there. Got Crocky Jay when he was in first grade. It was about a half a foot long. Which it is an alligator, right? Not a crocodile. It's so, an alligator. So Crocky yes. Jay's not an appropriate right. name but for... As he said, I was in first grade. Didn't really know the difference between an alligator and a crocodile. So I named him Crocky Jay. Now Crocky Jay is five feet long. And you heard him say it. He still holds him like a puppy. Mm-hmm. What would it take for you to hold Crocky Jay... Five feet long and just cuddling like a pup. Five feet is big for an that's alligator in captivity. That's taking a, an appendage off. Because they, they don't normally, they, they normally, so their growth is stunted when you keep them in captivity, typically. Because the food and, you described, right? Right, because yeah. so. right, the food and everything else. I and and it all it all seems like not an appropriate environment for an alligator. I don't re- recommend having an alligator for a pet. From everything I have ever heard from wildlife experts, and by the way, like the, my brother dabbled in this when he was at the University of Florida. They also he lived in a house with a bunch of dudes. They also had a gator as a pet for a while. A terrible, terrible idea. What you always hear from wildlife experts is you can't take the wild out of these animals, even when you raise them from the time that they're babies. And you hear people doing this with things like chimpanzees, and, and then they turn on the owner. His grandmother, it only takes once, man. Yeah. It only takes once. I, I don't think that I don't think there's enough money. But if if the mouth isn't taped sh- shut, I don't think there's enough money for me to handle a five foot long alligator this is a florida girl talking there is always enough money i mean how much would it cost you for a hand right so is 10 million enough for an appendage is he gonna bite my face off because like there's no money on earth that's gonna i don't need money that bad we're we're going appendages right so yes we're we're going like left hand right 10 mil what i have to lose the whole hand yeah no i need more than 10 million for that i'm in 10 million? I'm losing Hell a yeah. hand, though. Nah, 10 million? Hell yeah. It's, it's, you wait, get, for a hand? More. You get I mean, money? Way more than that. On. With inflation and the I mean, direction things are going, it's 10 million co- for the no, rest of your college life. College is paid for right now. I'm good. Yeah, 10 mil. Hey, Crocky J, here's dinner. Nah, nah. No, I, 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 10 million. I need to be able to buy the college, not just pay for the college. I like <laughs> video games. How am I supposed to play video games with only one, one hand? hand? Yeah, be really good at them. There's a lot of people out there that are really good at video games. Well, and by no, the way, but you can't na- be now really you, good now at you can have the appendage, whatever, put you, on there. You know, the, yeah, you're good. No, I'm you with can you, be Ian. Really good. No, no, no. You guys are crazy. You can be really good at things when you're born with. Like if you're born missing a left hand, then yes, you, you, you're you're good. You can do everything right with your other hand. But if all of a sudden it just happens to you because an alligator takes it off, there's going to be a huge learning your pet curve. Alligator, there. your five foot pet alligator. Yeah, but the pet doesn't sound so petty. <laughs> I don't know. Ten, oh, ten million dollars like in a conversation. Oh, ten million dollars in a conversation starter. Absolutely. Hundred, hundred million. We can talk. 10 I million. promise you, I'll go a lot less. Right, but at, 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 you always negotiate higher. You're willing to take less. I'm all in on Crocky J. Here's dinner. Go to go to town. I'll also love the fact that he embraces opposing fans, ripping him about his hair. Baby Thor, he doesn't like. He likes Man of Steel. Fabio, not so much. But he actually interacts with the, with the opposing fan base. This dude is just different. I mean, I, Carson Steele is one of my now favorite players in college football. Can't wait to watch him on Saturday. You will be watching him on Saturday when UCLA takes on Oregon. That game, again, at 3 p.m. Eastern on our airwaves. Kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio, we're going to look a, ahead. Would you hold a gator as a puppy? <laughs> I'm just 
just kidding. I'm joking. As a puppy? Would you hold the gator? How many people would hold a gator at, like like a puppy? L- n- none. None. Simba, none. maybe. None. None. I mean, hundred million. Like I, I said, guarantee you, I guarantee you, there are PJ, people right now with phone in going. You give me a million, I would hold that gator like a puppy. I guarantee it. A million ain't what it used to be. Coming up next here. Wow. <laughs> ESPN Radio. I'm giving up my left hand for a million yeah, dollars. I would. I would need to. I, I would need to have enough money to never have to work again. Million. I could spend it. I could spend a million in a day change if I that, tried. Change that M into a B. Yeah, I need something. I need a mega yacht and a private jet, and then we can talk. Coming up next, we'll look ahead to Thursday night's game. Plus, Mike Tomlin responds to fans chanting for him to fire his OC. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Put around here on Amber and Ian find him at Ian Fitz ESPN or on the gram at Ian Fitzsimmons ESPN, the account run by his daughters at Amber W sports. I'm not cool enough to have anybody else run my account. So it's all me. If you want to check me out on social media, I didn't know I this, had an Instagram account until my well, daughters started running and it. and they're very active on it. So it's good. Or they're becoming more and more active. So they're doing a good job. The, Scary. Steelers are also becoming more and more active. They got the dub on Monday night. 26 to 22 was the final over the Cleveland Browns. Now, the game was a very close one, and they were losing for a large portion of that game, and they were at home, and Steelers and fans had were Pittsburgh frustrated. minus two, and it was yes. a great outcome. <laughs> well, I, I'm not so sure that uh, Steelers fans were agreeing for the majority of that game that it was a great outcome. Kenny Pickett has had his struggles early in the season here. The Steelers' offense hasn't always been a clicking, and people were frustrated in the stands, and they started chanting to fire Matt Canada. It didn't go over well with Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is the Steelers' head coach. He is Matt Canada's boss. Here is Mike Tomlin responding to the fire Canada chants. Man, I I appreciate their passion. Um, I share their passion. We all do. Um, man, we love our fans, man. They, they inspire us. Uh, they challenge us. Um, it's an awesome relationship. Man, we don't run from challenges. We run to challenges. Um, this is the sport entertainment business. It is our job to win and thus entertain them. And so, you know, we don't begrudge them for that. We want them to be fat and sassy and spoiled. It is our job. Mike, Mike you, you share their passion. You share their concern about way, the way Matt's preparing the offense to play. I don't share their concern because of my perspective. Um, I'm a part of the process. When you're a part of the process, it's less troublesome to you. Fat I love him. and sassy uh, and spoiled <laughs> is what he calls the Pittsburgh Steelers fan base for chanting to fire the OC. That man has never had a losing season in his, what, 16, 17-year career? The second longest tenured coach in the NFL, Mike Tomlin. And he is only 51 years old. I want to hug him. 
I mean, we want our fans to be fat and sassy and spoiled. You know who else feels that same way? Nick Saban. Where you have Alabama fans, a very vocal minority, calling and saying that, you know, to, to talk shows in, in Birmingham and Tuscaloosa and, and to Feinbaum, you know, is the year is over. It's past him. He's done. He's the greatest college football coach of all time. And you're calling for his head because they're two and one and they and they won a game against South Florida. You, you, you're, 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 you're starting to second guess that guy and you have fans in Pittsburgh second guessing that man, Mike Tomlin, who's ne- again, say it out loud, never had a losing season. That's unheard of. It in is unheard a of. decade and a half plus, Amber. I, I the way he delivered that. I mean, if you watch the video, his eyeballs got about as big as silver dollars, and it was a direct, not compliment, but a shot at the fan base. We want you fat, happy, sassy, spoiled. It's our job, and that last word was the one that came from the heart. You, I, I maybe, maybe you wouldn't be. I, you'd probably be surprised at how many people. Uh, how many Steeler fans aren't aren't in on Tomlin? Yes, we would I, be surprised because that's lunacy. Like, how are you not it's in? Lunacy, but on like, the second spoiled, longest right? tenured coach who's never had a losing season. They're like, spoiled with Lombardi, but they are spoiled. It's yeah. because right, they're spoiled. But I, I mean, uh, you know, that's where I'm from. I'm from Western Pennsylvania. I have a lot of uh, friends who are Steeler fans, and they're they don't like him. Like they think that he's not a he's not as good a coach as everyone makes him out to be. Well, I, I, I guess in fairness to Steelers fans, which, I mean, there's nothing, there's no defense of that because the rest of us obviously think Mike Tom. I mean, you can make an argument. He, he's the best coach he'd be in the hi- He'd be hired in a second if right. the Steelers I, I mean, He wouldn't he, be every, unemployed every for 30 minutes. Every Gone. single team would want him. But, and, and, and employed with a lot of money behind it as well. There would be a bidding war for him. But I understand how a fan base can become spoiled. And then when you are kind of stuck in this era of I won't say mediocrity because it's still winning records, but nobody thinks the Pittsburgh Steelers are winning a Super Bowl this season. And last season they were scratching and clawing to even finish with a winning record. We knew that that his streak of never having a losing season was in danger. He was able to pull it off, but that's what you're playing for at this point. And that's got to be a frustration if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Now it is because they are spoiled and they are coming off of a Ben Roethlisberg era that was very, very good to them from a football perspective. Perspective, and there's going to be growing pains when you're going to Kenny Pickett. You got to give Pickett time to develop. It looked good at the end of last season. It looked good in the preseason. It didn't look so good at the beginning of this season, but we're only a couple games into this thing. Patience, though, not a strength for any fan base, and certainly not a strength for fan bases that have had a lot of success like this one. You know who it is a strength for? The Pittsburgh Steelers ownership, who've had right. three head coaches since the merger. Mm-hmm. That's it. Now, I'll, I, I mean, if I could hug Mike Tomlin right now, I'd do it. Hey, that, that man is awesome, and I love that message. I absolutely embrace that message, not just to the Steeler fan base, but from any established head coach who has had that kind of a run like Nick Saban, to any fan going, oh, well, you know, it, maybe the run's over, we need to move on. My question is this, Amber, who the hell are you going to get that's better? You're not. You're not. He's been your head coach 
since he was 34 years old. He's 51 years old. You're just taking it for granted at this point. But the grass ain't always greener, okay? So Pittsburgh Steelers fans, go hug, don't get go ahead hug of an yourselves. alligator. 